You remember an incident at the end of his life when he had washed their feet of the disciples, he put his garments back on and took his place again. And then he said, I'm reading from John 13. Do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. Then if I, your teacher and Lord, have washed your feet, you ought also to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example, so you should do to each other what I have done to you. Really, really, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who is sent greater than the one who sends. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. So this retreat will help us ponder whether we are doing them. We are turning to Jesus who said, this is in John 6, Anyone whom the Father gives me will come to me, and I will certainly not reject anyone who comes to me. Close quote. We do this not only to be happy now, to have happiness in the present time, though we do indeed expect that because Jesus came and gave us joy, but we do this to enact the holiness that has been poured out on us in our baptism and every time we receive the Eucharist. And we're confident in doing this, although holiness is not a big thing in our day, because Jesus said this, quote, Now the will of him who sent me is that I should lose nothing of all that he has given to me, but I should raise it up on the last day. That's John 6. Well, we have been given to, the, to Jesus by the Father. We are aware of that. Jesus said, let anyone who is thirsty come to me. Let anyone who believes in me come and drink. As Scripture says, from his heart shall flow streams of living water. He was speaking of the Spirit, which those who believed in him were to receive, for there was no Spirit yet, because Jesus had not yet been glorified. So now we're thinking about Jesus of Nazareth. Let me make some points of theology as background in thinking about Jesus of Nazareth. First of all, the Church has from the beginning understood that Jesus is the Son of God, and John makes it very explicit. This is how he begins his Gospel. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And he goes on to say that everything that was created was created through him and for him. Now, what that means to us now, who understand all this business about the Big Bang, is that the universe has been evolving in time. God is the creator not only of material and energy, but also of time. And we are now made to understand that evolution has been unfolding to the point at which one little chip of a planet, a little tiny planet among the billions and billions of planets, was prepared so that the Lord could create rational life, us, and then the Son could come and take unto himself our humanness. That's how we understand what went on when Jesus came into time. That means that we are created in the image and likeness of God in a way that we can now understand better. In his image, we understood from the beginning— God is intelligent, God is free, 
creative, and, and so we are in his image, intelligent and free, creative. We are always related. All of that is in place. We are in God's image. That will not change no matter what we do with our lives. But we're also created in the likeness of God, as one Genesis points out. And what does that mean? Well, we wouldn't know what it meant, except Colossians tells us that Jesus is the image of the unseen God, the firstborn of all creation. Jesus is the image, and so Jesus of Nazareth shows us by his life how we ought to be in the likeness of God. This is why I'm begging you to turn back and look at Jesus of Nazareth. During this retreat, you would do very well to read one of the whole Gospels. Take Mark, for example, and start at chapter 1. Mark starts right off with...